Now 21 minutes away from 12 o'clock, this is the Saturday session. Uh, let's take stock of what's been happening in the NBA, in short plenty, uh, and lots to come in the weeks and months. It's always uh, a key component of the, uh, the North American sporting landscape around Christmas time. Playing on Christmas Day, as we discussed a little bit uh, earlier. I can't think of anyone uh, better to join us right now. Ben Young Kadani joins us, Senior Editor of NBA Australia. Uh, he's always so good with his time. Uh, welcome back to the station, friend. How are you doing? I'm doing great, thanks, mate. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, you're all ready for a wild Christmas period following ball? Yeah, absolutely. We've uh, got the in-season tournament in the rearview mirror, and now we're uh, now we're gearing up for a, a big set of Christmas Day games. So the uh, the NBA season never never short of uh, of action. Yeah, brilliant stuff. Hey, there has been quite a story uh, that has you know reached right around the basketballing world, the sports world. Draymond Green, we know, has been a fabulous player. If I'm just talking about his skills on court and his achievements on court, um, when he's playing to the letter of the law, he's fashioned an incredibly uh, impressive career, uh, a quite a rare type of player, isn't he, in his role and what he can bring. But he does bring drama and controversy and once again is in the spotlight um, after an indefinite suspicion for, uh, for, for basically punching... Yusuf Nurkic is probably how I would describe it. He claimed it was accidental. You know, just your reaction to this latest incident and, and the fallout that has uh, since uh, arrived. <laughs> well, Draymond's, uh, Draymond's explanation uh, didn't quite line up with the, uh, with the video, which I think was, was pretty obvious for, uh, for everyone watching at home. He claimed he was trying to sell the call from the contact and... Uh, uh, what we saw was probably more more closer to a to a Rick James style slap. So uh, he, he's uh, he's out indefinitely now. We don't know what that what that's going to look like for the team and the Warriors. <laughs> like, is this basically to buy the NBA some time to actually uh, you know think very long and hard and carefully about what sort of um, exact sanction to hand him down hand him down because he's 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 got quite a rap sheet. Yeah, there's definitely precedent here with uh, with Draymond, and you know he's he's the kind of guy that he lifts the intensity of his team. He really is the heartbeat of his team, and whether that's with his physicality, you know, the, the verbal sparring, but then there's also a line. And I, I was scrolling through Twitter the other day, and I, I saw a mixtape of Draymond Green's uh, best, if you want to call it that. It went for five minutes. Like there was a lot, a lot uh, in there. Uh, so I think the league will have a look at this. Uh, the Warriors won't be too pleased um, because, I mean, they're, they're not really playing that great at the moment. So losing Draymond Green, you know, for an extended period definitely definitely will hurt them. But not only has he, ha- has he had instances in the past, I mean, even just this season, he was fresh off a five-game suspension for putting Rudy Gobert in a headlock. He was ejected in November um, against the Cavaliers. So it's, it's already been a pretty rocky season for Draymond off the back of obviously what happened last season uh, with Jordan Poole. So... I, I would probably expect a pretty hefty suspension uh, there for Draymond Green. Yeah, the way he explained it, it was odd. He said it was accidental. He said if it was on purpose, um, he wouldn't have apologised. <laughs> and he apologises because <laughs> it was accidental. And so I, I thought apologies worked the other way around. I don't know. You can you can explain. I, I think the film probably tells a... a, a a better story than, than, than maybe what Draymond Green's telling. <laughs> I mean, you can see he was trying to get Yusuf Nurkic off him a little bit, but the way he spun around, I mean, uh, he, he'd have a hard time convincing many people that uh, that, that wasn't uh, was deliberate. So I think uh, you know, he got he got five games for uh, for Rudy Gobert. I think we could be looking at something a little more uh, 
uh, extreme for this one. It's a really fascinating career. This guy plays, uh, you know, a position where it's suited to the bigs, but he ain't big. Has he got little man syndrome or something? Has he got anger management issues? I hate to play amateur psychologist, but it's hard not to. As a, as a small ball center, he is you know he is undersized. He definitely does play above his height and weight. Uh, and and look, I, I'm a fan of Draymond Green. I, I love what he brings to the Warriors team. Uh, you need a guy like that that, that he's going to lift the intensity, that he's going to get his guys going because the Warriors aren't a team with a lot of tough guys. They play pretty basketball, so you do need that guy uh, you know on the roster that is going to you know mix it up a little bit. But as we've kind of seen, you know, there is a line, and and, and Draymond you know, has, has, has stepped over it a few times, many times in, in, in his career and, uh, you know, several times this season. But uh, uh, it's, it's, as I said, it's a tough one for the Warriors because he is such a key part of what makes them tick. And in a season where they, they haven't really been at their best, Clay Thompson's been struggling. Uh, Andrew Wiggins now moving back to the bench. They, they haven't really had a ton of consistency. They've had a lot of different yeah. starting lineups already this season. Uh, and and their, their position in the standings kind of reflects that. So this couldn't really be coming at a, at a worse time for them. Help me decode a story around Giannis Antetokounmpo. Drama after the Pacers-Bucks game, which the, the Bucks star scored just a paltry 64 points, um, and then demanded the game ball, and then hinted he wasn't sure if it was the actual game ball. Like, seriously, what's going on here? Help me. Uh, this is why I love the NBA. It's the most unnecessarily dramatic league <laughs> in the world. The soap opera is it's fantastic fun. Uh, and, and look, yeah, he, he broke the franchise record as his career best. 64. You want the game ball, I get it. That's, that's, that's in your arena. Uh, and obviously the Pacers had their own reasons with their, their rookie uh, getting his first points. Is Giannis entitled to pull rank in that situation? Most likely. Uh, but the way it all unfolded was, uh, was, was, was pretty comical. Uh, you know, after what was a pretty incredible night for Giannis, who, he, who took us back. He looked like prime Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, I think he's the first player since Shaquille O'Neal to score 60 on uh, you know, that many field goals without a three-pointer. This was some old-school basketball from Giannis, and he's, uh, he's very quickly climbing up the, uh, the MVP conversation as well. How did he know it wasn't the ball? Why did he think it was not the ball? Well, there was some confusion around after the game. The Pacers took off with the ball that was on the floor and then the, the, the commotion that, that ensued. They eventually got a ball. Do they know whether it was the ball? I mean, the, the, the two teams weren't really cooperating in that, uh, that situation. <laughs> <laughs> was it You're a right, little, it is... case of a bait and switch? Who knows? <laughs> uh, just check eBay in a few days. It might be out there for all we know. Uh, you're so right. It's a great description. The most unnecessary sort of drama floating around. You, you did mention him getting some sort of helium in the MVP race. You know, quarter of the season way through as we essentially are. Probably a good time to take stock on that front. Uh, who are the names that really are, are shining brightly? I mean, this, at this point in the season, the, the race is pretty wide open. I mean, uh, Joel Embiid, I think, you know, he's probably amongst the front runners right now still. He's, he's just scoring points and racking up double-doubles like crazy with the sixes. Nikola Jokic, he's had a huge workload there with the Nuggets with, uh, with Jamal Murray missing some time there. He's been fantastic. Somehow getting even better after what we saw from him last season. Uh, and then, then, as I mentioned, Giannis is, uh, is right there. The Bucks, you know, started a little slow with, uh, with Damian Lillard coming across. Now they look like they're... They're very firmly hitting their straps. And uh, you go down the list, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, uh, first team All-NBA last season. He's got the Oklahoma City Thunder flying. And, uh, and I can't mention the MVP conversation without Luka Doncic. He's been uh, incredible for the Dallas Mavericks this season, who are doing, uh, doing really well of late. So it, it is a pretty open race. The fact that we've got a, a five-man race, if you want to call it that, 
uh, at this point in the season. Those numbers will probably you know, dwindle down as the season goes along. But uh, there's a lot of guys playing a lot of really good basketball uh, to start this season. What about the draft class? Um, how do you assess it a quarter of the way through their maiden season? Uh, it's been interesting. It's, uh, you know, obviously Victor Wembanyama has been, you know, the guy that everyone's, everyone's kind of had their eyes on. And, you know, whilst he's had his moments this season, the Spurs, you know, certainly have not. They're, they're not winning a lot of games, uh, looking like the young team that they are. Uh, but I have been very impressed with, uh, with Wembanyama. There has been, you know, some other guys out there that, that have been pretty impressive as well. Uh, Thompson with the Detroit Pistons, another team that isn't winning a lot of games, but he looks like he's going to be a really, uh, you know, really productive player for them. Uh, they're probably the two standouts uh, for mine, but the rookie of the year race between uh, Wembenyama and Chet Holmgren, uh, if we want to call him a rookie, it is his first uh, first season. That's been really, really fun to watch, watching these two kind of big guys maybe start what's going to be a great Western Conference rivalry. That's probably been the standout of uh, the young guys coming through for me so far. I'm always a sucker for a good name, and I can't go past Scoot, Scoot Henderson. Great name. It's sort of a throwback to the 1950s. I don't know if he was you know, a good first baseman for, for the St. Louis Cardinals back in the 50s, but uh, how, how does the Portland <laughs> big look? Or the Portland guard, rather? He's, he's been uh, interesting. He's out of the G League Ignite program with a lot of, uh, a lot of hype, and, and there was a point in the conversation where you know, people were saying, you know, maybe... Is Scoot going to be the number one pick when, uh, when he faced off against, uh, against Wembenyama in those uh, exhibition games? But he's really, really struggled uh, to start this season. The numbers aren't great. Uh, and, and he just... Point guard is the hardest position to play in the NBA. Every night, you're coming up against a stud. Even, you know, the top guys are, are, are one problem. All the way down the rest of the, the league, there is a great point guard on pretty much every team. So the assignments you're getting night to night uh, are really tough. The speed of the game, I think, has probably been the biggest issue for him uh, and, and, and his decision-making. I want to cut him some slack, though. He is a young guy, you know, 19, 20 years old. Um, we've seen guys come in, struggle early on and, and, and have that sort of second half of the season swing. Uh, but I, I, I do like Scoot Henderson. I really like his game coming, uh, coming into the league. But it has been a little bit of a, a reality check, I think, at least for, uh, for him and the Blazers coming in. Uh, the, the form hasn't really translated so far for him. I'll get you out on a quick look of both conferences. The standings: uh, the Timberwolves, eighteen and five, lead. The Nuggets, Thunder, Mavericks, Kings make the top five. Are there quite a few surprises in the West? I mean, if you want to talk surprises, probably the Minnesota Timberwolves. And and you know, some will argue we probably should have seen this coming. Um, but Rudy Gobert, difference maker for them because you know he wasn't great last season. Now he looks like he you know probably is going to win his fourth Defensive Player of the Year award. And the Timberwolves have the best defense in the league. And you have Anthony Edwards, uh, a rising star. I think this guy you know, has the potential to be the face of the league uh, in a few years' time. Yeah. The balance on this roster as well with Carl Anthony Towns, who's gone from being the guy on this team. Now he's got Anthony Edwards, who's kind of ascended as the, as the alpha. You've got Rudy Gobert, who's handling the defense. It's all kind of flowing really nicely for the Timberwolves. Their role players uh, have been really, really solid as well. I, I really do like this team. Um, will awesome, they number one seed? Ben, be oh, my time management reason. skills are hopeless. I've got to apologise, mate. I've completely bottled this. I, I thought I had a little bit more time. You're a champion, mate. Thank you so much for joining us. Go enjoy your Christmas. You've got ball coming at you from every direction. Thanks so much for your generosity, not only today, but throughout the year. And we look forward to 2024. Uh, that is our little NBA chat done back after the break.